0: This week in the markets, gold and silver came roaring back on renewed safe haven investing. Well, welcome back to goldseek.com radio, everyone. Your host, Chris Waltzek, Just great to be with you on this season 14, episode 697 show. Just a pleasure to welcome Stanford University professor. Alexander Kosovachev, to the show. He makes his debut appearance on Gold Seek Radio with his unique solar research. His team takes the NASA spacecraft reading of our nearest star, the sun, and adjusts audio, making it music-ready. We discuss the debate over the true nature of our sun's energy production, and he's kind enough to accept my research of evidence of Dyson spheres we've found all throughout this universe. We also discussed Soviet astronomer Nikolai Kardashev quantified the technological advancement of civilizations throughout the universe based on energy. Now, he hypothesized four different category types. We're currently a type 0. There's type 1, 2, and 3. And a type 1 utilizes all the energy, let's say, of their home planet, such as the Earth. A type 2 of their local star, be our sun in type three, the entire galactic source or the center, a supermassive black hole, and most of the energy in stars throughout that system. Well, we propose we found all four folks, and I have evidence of it in my soon-to-be published 100-plus page paper on this subject, and so, so much more. It covers everything from Dyson Spheres, our decoded, verified SOS message, and more, by the way, from an alien Type 1 civilization. We discussed the methodology to predict the civilization of the Carter shift, a level of the civilization we deciphered, and uh, the methodology deployed, and hopefully that will be useful for other researchers in the area. There's an astounding array of information, including the return message that we sent using the deciphered SOS text and how and where we sent the message and why we think it may have already been received by some race that likely can decode it. So much information in this mini-book, if you will, or dissertation-level paper in PDF format likely through my amazon.com account. And so we'll have more information. If you'd like to pre-order, you can just send me a message if you like, gsr at hughes.net. And, of course, all my subscribers to the Alpha Stocks newsletter get priority. Oh, and this week we submitted two, at least two more U.S. petitions for provisional patent to the U.S. Patent Office based on Tesla coil interstellar world wide web technology. We're attempting and really promoting in my new Tesla network based on Tesla's work and the C is communication, Tesla. And this is based on Tesla's findings that he was able to transfer energy through the earth, not around the earth, through the earth at 50 percent approximately faster than speed of light. And this has been well documented. Uh, throughout the literature, although it's really kind of hush-hush and under the table, I think, in most of academia today. Through his research, not, by the way, long before they uh, decommissioned Tesla and and, uh, hit him away in a hotel room in New York, created a system using astounding wave technology resulted in pi divided by two times the velocity of light. 3.1416, divide that by two, and you're in the neighborhood of 1.5, 1.6. 1.5, 1.6. So about 55%, let's say, faster than light. And this, we believe, is literally just the tip of the iceberg. So we've uh, pr- um, two different sets. No, it looks like it'll be three different sets of schematics for a system for nearly instantaneous transmission across the cosmos. Okay, I'm not talking three billion years 3,000 years, 300 years, or even three years. We're talking maybe hours or days. There are two provisos. Firstly, this is not the network we believe is already set up. You'll have to read the book for that one. That's a key part. The second part is it's learning how to access this natural phenomenon and the unnatural phenomenons. But at any rate, we believe we have the formula for it. And we include at least two to three different schematics for transceivers and receivers leaning up very heavily on some brilliant folks. Heaviside, Steinmetz, of course, Tesla. There's Maxwell, of course, started it all off that I've been working on. And I frankly think there's never been a document that will be produced quite like this. You'd also like to know about the Mars mission, uh, because that's coming, folks. I think we will have a literally a gold rush. For Mars. You might think of it as the race to the moon. Well, it's, it will be a race to Mars. The evidence of alien life and extraterrestrial life on Mars is irrefutable. An unbelievable intelligence was unleashed in this solar system. Not just Mars, by the way, all over the solar system. Well, again, it's irrefutable proof. Photos, so much text, advanced machinery, hybrid life forms between many, many different animal kingdoms. Just let me know if you'd like to be put on our pre-order list. GSradio at Frontier.com. Professor Lawrence Kotlikoff, a favorite on the show, says, Folks, we are $240 trillion in debt. All of our obligations here. The U.S., he says, is bankrupt. Incredibly concerned about it. And he notes that there will be very few places to hide other than probably cryptos and gold. He also shares his MaxiFi, a top-rated personal financial planning tool that helps folks identify the top portfolio, especially for retirement. You know, it really runs an algorithm, like 500 different Monte Carlo simulations over a 70-year period, so every year of an individual to try to maximize their outcome Given their utility function. So, this is rather sophisticated economics applied to personal finance. And folks are living into their 80s, 90s, and beyond. And if you haven't already jotted down our QA hotline number, 641 715 3900, followed by mailbox number 514049. We'd like for you to call in with your questions and comments, 641 715 3900, followed by extension number 514049. We'd like to hear from you. And Robert Ian wraps up the show with his latest must-hear report. GoldSeek.com Radio begins now with a market weather recap. Mostly sunny skies returned over the precious metals sector this week as investors returned to the metals' safe haven amid increased U.S. shares volatility. And by the closing bell on Friday, gold was up about ten dollars at around twelve eighty-five an ounce. Silver added twenty-three cents at fourteen sixty-one. While the XAU shares though bucked the trend, giving back about one cent. And palladium and platinum neither fared terribly well. Of course, uh palladium did inch up two dollars, and platinum though was off two percent seventeen dollars and fifty cents, but still holding above eight hundred dollars at eight oh three by Friday's closing bell. The top story driving the metals higher this week, Gold Sword. This week, relative to the U.S. shares on trade tensions between China and U.S., as investors are growing even more concerned that the impasse could morph into a prolonged trade battle. U.S. tariffs on our largest trading partner translate into higher prices on our consumer items, so while the government income increases, U.S. disposable income at home declines. The long-term problem here, as we view it, is that as people start to anticipate higher prices, they curtail their spending. And, of course, 70% of our GDP currently comes from the consumer's wallet and pocketbooks. So the tariffs could help trigger a new recession If we don't get this under control, and frankly, I think our officials realize this and they will resolve this issue in the months ahead. In related news, the U.S. Labor Department noted domestic jobless claims were better than expected. According to the Department of Labor, claims fell below expectations down about a 1,000 to 211,000 for the week. That's 4,000 below expected. The four-week moving average dropped about the same, about 5,000 to 220,000 last week. Meanwhile, major gold consumers, India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi's party is boosting demand for the yellow metal. During his bid for re-election, he promised many gifts that rural areas will have larger gold supplies. One of the biggest groups of gold consumers in India will appreciate the opportunity to give more gifts of gold and silver, as their wedding and related ceremonies typically involve exchanges of the metal in Hindu traditions. Bottom line on precious metals. Well, the super quant investor Ray Dalio increased his fund's holdings of the elemental That, of course, first quarter of 2019 and the latest SEC filings showed that Bridgewater and Associates bought about 120,000 shares of the spider ETF GLD. Of course, we're still stuck in the summer doldrums, typically boring time, a lot of choppy action the markets are sideways uh, sine wave like action here hopefully that's setting up for the typical fall to winter rally where jewelry manufacturers and retailers start to prepare for their holiday inventory stockpiles i continue to like gold as an opportunity to boost expected returns amid increased market volatility moving on to the wall street report Cloudy skies were seen over most of the New York Stock Exchange this week as investors booked some hefty profits on some economic uncertainty. By Friday's closing bell on Wall Street, the Dow was off about 170 at 25,600. Meanwhile, the S&P 500 fell 33, ending at 28,26, while the Nasdaq was off 166, ending at 76,50. Meanwhile, our favorite madman at mad money, Jim Cramer says, expect more uncertainty. He's looking for a capitulation moment. He'd like to see a point where investors toss in the towel and just give up. I'd like to share a few of his favorites this week. Uh, One of them, Shockwave Medical, S-Wave is the ticker. Another favorite, Target. TGT shares were up 7.7% due to a 5% increase in same-store sales. Their online sales are absolutely roaring due to same-day pickup or delivery, which involves an in-home and curbside service. This is serious competition. For Amazon, what a remarkable idea. Now, if you'd like the rest of my companies this week, one excellent pharmaceutical, a favorite of Kramer's, several others that are poised to explode on the 5G technological revolution, be sure and log into your Alpha Stocks newsletter account or sign up. So be sure and log in. U.S. shares, bottom line. Well, the USA Today Greed to Fear Index is looking more bullish here. We're seeing a slightly more bullish signs of some capitulation. I agree with Jim Cramer. I'd like to see everybody toss in the towel at least the weekends and set the stage for a really nice rally that runs into the end of the year, taking us to new highs. Coming up after the break, more Gold Seek Radio. Thanks for choosing Goldseek.com Radio as a trusted business and investing news source. Just a pleasure to welcome back Professor Lawrence Kotlikoff from Boston University. It's great to be back. With you. Start off with your um, new financial advisor. There's a uh, interesting calculator that you've added to your web pages.
1: Yeah, we have a software program like. Uh, So I'm a professor of economics at Boston University, as you know. Over the years, actually now it's been 26 years, I've been running a company that I started back in 93, which is called Economic Security Planning, Inc., and we put together economics-based financial planning software. And what economists uh, say people should do when it comes to their finances is like day and night compared to what the financial industry is uh, advising them to do. So economists say, look, uh, we're not going to ask you how much you'd like to spend in retirement, what your target is, because if you're rational, that target, the answer to that question should be, I want to spend a trillion dollars a day, and it's obviously not affordable. So what we do is we we figure out what you've got to spend, and then we figure out how to, how you should spend it such that you can have a smooth living standard, the same living standard through time. And then... We also, the next thing we do is we figure out automatically inside the program how to raise that living standard safely by maximizing over Social Security and retirement account withdrawal dates to lower taxes and whether or not you you should annuitize your, uh, take your money as a stream of payments that continues until you live, get a higher kind of return on that, downsize you. If you die, you don't leave anything to anybody. But then uh, the third thing we do, which we just introduced, is, we run uh, what are called Monte Carlo simulations where you tell us, the, the user tells us uh, the program, what portfolios they're holding. They might, for example, be holding 50-50 stocks, bonds. And we'll, we'll run 500 trajectories of the living standard based on uh, different draws of returns that they might receive on their stocks and the bonds, taking into account how the stocks and the bond returns move together through time. And then uh, we plug all that uh We show the results from that, and we also consider two other uh, portfolios, that, um, and people can modify these, but they're default values. One's a safe portfolio, like 20% uh, uh, stock, 80% bonds, and the other's a risky portfolio, 80-20, 80% stock, 20% bonds. We run 500 trajectories for those as well for the rest of your life. And then we take uh, for each of these strategies of how to invest, we plug them into what's called an expected lifetime utility function, a utility function, which is a mathematical expression for your lifetime happiness from what your living standard uh, will turn out to be. And we take the we take we figure out the lifetime happiness from each living standard, let's say if you're in the 50-50 uh, portfolio. You've got 500 of these living standard paths. We t- figure out the utility for each one. We take the average, and that's the average or expe- what we call expected lifetime utility from that investment choice. And then we do it for the other two, and then we compare them. So we summarize in one number your lifetime expected utility, and, and that uh, and that, that comparison depends on how risk-averse. So we ask you a questioner about how risk-tolerant you are. So You give us the answer. We tell you, in effect, uh, based on this uh, utility uh, framework, uh, this provides some guidance in in a single number. Uh, You can compare the three numbers, which one is likely to provide you the higher lifetime welfare. So it's really uh, a breakthrough because economics, uh, economists and finance professors have been focused on Expected utility maximization since the beginning of portfolio theory began in the 1950s, and we've never uh, been able to do it until now uh, in a realistic manner, where you take into account the fact that people live—you know—if they're 30 years old, they could live to to 100. So you have to deal with 70 paths of re, you know 70 returns uh, that you could have on your assets every year, and you have to deal with people's cash constraints. So. We now have, for the first time, and, we, and so we knew how to compute that, and we were able to compute that for research purposes, but it would take a day to, to process one case, and it, we've been able to get it to, to work within about 40 seconds to, to process three cases. So this is an enormous breakthrough, re, really a revolution in financial, in a portfolio analysis and guidance and education that um, people should... Uh, can, can access for – well, the software is selling for 139 at maxify.com, M-A-X-I-F-I.com. So uh, if, if you're a financial planner listening in, we have a financial planner version that's 4.99 a year, and it's the same place, maxify.com. And the tool is the same except that you can run more clients because we feel that uh, households who want to do it themselves – should uh, have the same tools available to them as a professional, and our software is extremely, extremely user friendly. It's, it's routinely ranked number one in, among all the financial planning tools out there. It was uh, the only uh, last summer, uh, uh, one of the uh, personal finance writers for the New York Times wrote a piece about what to do five years before retirement. He said the first thing to do is buy Maxify. Uh, Call Maxify Planner. Go to maxify.com, and uh, and do X, Y, and Z. And uh, he didn't mention a single other software program. He just said, "Do that. Just buy Maxify and run it." That's the first thing to do when you're five years from retirement. But I think people should do it when they're 30 years or 40 years from retirement. Every should use it every year. Uh, Some people use it every week uh, to help them figure out uh, how much they should spend this year, but also you can break that down into how much I should spend each month and each week. So it's a really a, a lifetime budgeting tool to keep you on track.
0: People, I think they expect, don't they, the government to take care of them in retirement. But if you want to live at that, you know, the same standard of living that you've had earlier, I mean, you have to prepare. And this is a fantastic software for that we have uh, and will have links up. For folks to uh, navigate their browsers. Um, I'd like to move on to the article you penned November of last year, the Big Con Reassessing the Great Recession and its fix. You have, I think, a unique approach uh, to the Great Recession of 2008-2009, concerned, if I understand the article correctly, by the short sellers, the people who benefited most from what happened. Can you give us uh, your uh, look at the Great Recession?
1: Yeah, well, I think, you know, I, I wouldn't want to say, you know, it's just like bad short sellers. It was uh, the short sellers were taking advantage of a, a bad structure to our banking system. Our banking system is built to fail. It's it's built to have multiple, uh, what, what economists call equilibrium, multiple places the economy can go. So if everybody gets scared based on true news or fake news, uh, and there was basically everything that was said about uh why we should be having a Great Recession and what caused the Great Recession in 2008 is just not true. And that's what the paper, the big con at Kotlikoff.net, anybody can just grab it and read it, uh, kotlakov.net, the big con, uh, is, is saying that it's, it's looking at all the facts that have been developed since the Great Recession and have shown that all the allegations about uh, insider rating and uh, subprimes being... Uh, uh, dominating the mortgage market and all of them were crap uh, or liar loans and no doc loans and all of them went into foreclosure and nobody had any, none of the bankers had skin in the game and all the banks were much more leveraged than in the past and all the households were much more leveraged. and We were having a housing bubble. None of this stuff is true when you look at the facts. So what is true is what economic models of banking, every single economic model of banking has, the possibility of the economy just flipping if everybody gets panicked. And that's what happened. We had a panic driven by rumors that weren't true. Uh, You know, if you think about um, the, uh, and then you also had certainly some of the rumors are being spread by short sellers, but the press was heavily involved in uh, looking at, you know, they would do stories about uh, this particular liar loans when there's, uh, millions of loans of uh, mortgages out there and you if you do a uh, a TV show about five cases of fraudulent loans, everybody gets the impression that every every single mortgage out there in the country is is uh, uh, fraudulent so so the the point is that we need to have a financial system that is not built to fail that can't, that is fail proof and that's what I've been proposing since 2008, which is uh, called mutual fund banking, where all the banks, all the financial intermediaries would be run as just 100% equity finance mutual funds. These would be, uh, I think, you know, most people are familiar actually with mutual funds because most of us have 401Ks in our, in our jobs. Um, obviously, a lot of people don't, but uh, those of us who are self-employed and have IRAs, uh, we're also investing in mutual funds, so in the typical mutual fund, you put the money in and you get a sh- shares of stock back to the mutual fund, and if the mutual fund's uh, investments do poorly, your mutual fund shares do poorly, but you can't go to the mutual fund, you can't run on the mutual fund and say, you owe me X, because the mutual fund doesn't owe you anything. You're a co-owner in this investment, and if it lost money, you lost money. So. The mutual fund as an as a go-between, as a financial uh, – part of the financial highway system cannot go under, cannot fail. That's very different from Lehman Brothers that takes your money on on a uh, debt basis. It says, give me your money, and I promise to pay it back the minute you want it or within three months, uh, depending on the particular type of deposit, and And then it goes gambles with it. And then you come for your money, and uh, – or there's some rumor that Lehman Brothers is uh, in bad shape. Well, you start running for your money, or actually, other banks ran for their money that they had uh, deposited with Lehman Brothers, and uh, they also stopped giving credit to uh, lending money, any more money to Lehman Brothers. They wouldn't roll over uh, loans that they've been making to Lehman Brothers, and hedge funds ran on Lehman Brothers, and also Bear Stearns and these other. We had serial collapse of seventeen. Large financial institutions in the U.S., including uh, the biggest, world's biggest insurance company, AIG. So, the, our system is built to, to have. And Lehman Brothers was, ex- was, from what the SEC uh, says about it, and also Bear Stearns, that the, both of these companies actually had plenty of what's called bank capital. They had. Uh, they were running their uh, their enterprises in a prudent manner. They would pass today's stress tests that the Federal Reserve. Is now imposing, and indeed, the uh, they would have done uh, passed those tests with uh, with a higher score than most banks today are passing it. From what I gather, so we have to change our entire mindset about the Great Recession. And I think, you know, uh, we need to understand that the economy can flip, and it, that every time that it we've had a financial crisis in the past, there's been something that sparked it, some bad news and everybody panicked. If you look at 30, uh, 29, the crash in 29, there was uh, swamps sales of uh, of uh, swampland in Florida, and there was some other uh, uh, you know, headline stories about fraud in the financial marketplace. All of a sudden, that was enough to uh, flip everybody's views, and being over the market uh, went down the tubes, and that led uh, everybody to get depressed about the economy. And we see, we've seen this time after time with all the financial crises in the U.S. They're all sparked by some something. It's the railroads, uh, some problem with the railroads. Uh, somebody uh, is trying to corner the copper market. Nothing big enough to really matter to the economy, just like Lehman Brothers failing, cannot possibly be big enough to, to, care, to matter to the economy because the building didn't collapse. None of the employees that worked for Lehman that were fired when they failed were, were killed. So physically speaking, nothing happened. Everybody just decided Lehman uh, failed. Therefore, the economy is going to go into a depression. Uh, different people are using that word, the D word, depression. And then you had employers saying, hey, I better fire my employees before uh, the other employers fire theirs and those other employers, employees are my customers, so I'm firing somebody else's customers, they're firing my customers, and we have complete meltdown. And we, ha- we started to see layoffs in the hundreds of thousands uh, within a few weeks of Lehman uh, collapsing with no real economic uh, uh, basis. So we need to go to this mutual fund banking system that is absolutely secure, not a single equity finance mutual fund. Failed during the Great Recession. The only ones that failed were uh, market funds, which were leveraged, and uh, they had. uh, So, if we get rid of all the leverage in the mutual fund system, just and have no banks that are leveraged, have no debt obligations, we will never have a financial crisis
0: again. Do you think, though, that that's practical? I mean, don't you think it would be awfully difficult to convince these folks that way? You've been boosting your bottom line and bonuses. Uh, leverage which just you know amplifies their returns how can we convince them that it's no longer in society's benefit
1: you know let's say Elizabeth Warren proposes this she's very much concerned about the banking system this would be a great thing for her to to champion and so it's a matter of the government uh, saying or the Federal Reserve uh, uh, well they can pass regulations that tell the Federal Reserve we want you to gradually put a tax on leverage If a bank wants to operate with leverage, they have to pay a tax because they're putting everybody at risk. And through time, that tax rate gets bigger and bigger. And we're, at the same time, we're going to be telling all the financial institutions uh, the long run here over the next 10 years is everybody's going to end up uh, selling every single financial uh, instrument, whether it's insurance, uh, whether it's life insurance or car, everything will be done through mutual funds that or 100% equity financed, and it will happen. And you know, we have uh, most. Uh, we have something like 10,000 equity financed mutual funds in the country right now. We have 9,000 banks. So if you ask, do we have more mutual funds of the kind that I'm talking about than we have banks? The answer is yes. Do we have more people banking through mutual funds than through regular banks, or banking more money through mutual funds than through banks? The answer is yes, because most of us. If we're in the middle class or upper middle class, uh, we have retirement accounts, and they're in mutual funds or equity finance, and we have more money in there than we have in our checking account, which is what we're doing with the banks, basically. So, so we are our, our system is about thirty uh, percent there already, and you know, if you if you had a um, let's say a hurricane come by, and you had some houses built out of straw and some other houses built out of brick, and they, uh, the houses built out of brick did not collapse, and the houses built out of straw collapsed, and you're the government, and you're trying to rebuild the houses. Would you go and rebuild the houses out of straw? No, you'd build them, rebuild them out of brick. Well, Dodd-Frank rebuilt our banking system out of straw. We had... and. And it's no wonder that Barney Frank is now working for the banks. Uh, this, the guys uh, who are in Congress, who are in charge of uh, banking regulations and rules um, on both the Senate and the House side, are all being paid off by the, uh, uh, the large banks. The biggest contributors—you can go online and see this yourself—to J.P. Morgan are, I mean, the biggest. Contributes to that members of the House Financial Services Committee, or companies like J.P. Morgan. So we need to have a, a leading politician uh, say, uh, you know, what uh, Roosevelt said, which is time to stop uh, letting banks gamble with other people's money, which is the taxpayers' money. We got stuck with this huge bill, but even beyond paying off the uh, 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 the uh, the banks, you know, we had to bail out the banks. Apart from the cost of that, well, uh, there were, you know, 10% unemployment. There were millions of people that were un- became unemployed as a result of this uh, crash. Lots of people lost their life savings. This was a terrible economic tragedy that didn't have to happen. So, and if you think about uh, whether or not, you know, just in terms of each per- person's uh, personal Investment. I know that Goldseek is uh, partly focused on investing in gold and alternative securities. Well, if you know that the financial system can go down, then you'd want to uh, have a hedge here against that happening uh, by holding gold and commodities that uh, anything that would not be that people would seek to get into in the context of a financial crisis. And so the point I'm trying to get across is that whether or not we get the reform I'm talking about, uh, the financial system is built to fail. Uh, it didn't fail because of any good re- economic reason. It just can, it can go to, to more than one place. You can the way to think about a mold equilibrium here uh, is to think about it being in a crowded theater and somebody uh, let's say misperceives whether or not they somehow believe they're smelling smoke, Maybe they're not trying to cause a panic, but they think they're smelling smoke, and at any moment, somebody could, their uh, uh, their sense of smell could lead them to scream fire, and then you can have a panic where people are trying to run out the door, and then some people get trampled and die. That That's the kind of situation we have here. We have two equilibrium, nobody uh, screams smoke, and, and nobody runs, and uh, Somebody screams smoke and everybody runs, and it can just happen randomly, just like that. And that's just exactly what happened back in 2008. And if we had had a president, you know, had I been, let's say, president uh, and been able to get on the, uh, explain this to the public, it might have helped. If I had been president, I would have gone off to Lehman Brothers and taken a sledgehammer to the building and said, look, here's the only damage to the building. And I would have grabbed one of the employees walking out the door, and I would have done a blood test, and said, so, you know, pricked their finger, and said, "Look, this person seems to be alive. Uh, what are you guys so concerned about?" That could have changed the psychology. Instead, we had the president screaming, uh, you know, basically uh, collapsed in panic. He became President Bush the uh, uh, Jr. Uh, became immobilized. The Treasury Secretary panicked. Uh, the Federal Reserve Chairman, they, they both panicked. Uh, Treasury Secretary is begging on his knees, literally on his knees, Nancy Pelosi for $700 billion to bail out Wall Street. Uh, yeah, he was panicked, and he spread that panic throughout the country. So he made things worse by his actions, that, uh, by being panicked. So as opposed to saying, uh, you know, there's nothing real here, and if you want to lose money, uh, sell all your securities to the U.S. government. We'll buy it for, we'll make a huge profit. And uh, be our guest. Step right up. We're going to have the Federal Reserve buy all your stocks that you're trying to sell. And the stock market would have risen, not, not collapsed, 500 points a day for the next uh, week after week until they pass this TARP bill. Anyway, I could go on, but you, you can see
0: uh, where I'm coming from. Exactly. And you talk a lot about equilibrium. You've also noted in the past that the uh, national debt is way out of equilibrium, as high as $200 trillion when we start to talk about some of these unfunded liabilities and some of the social programs that will require an incredible amount of funding. Do you still hold to this thesis? And what are the implications, do you think? Are we looking at declining standard of living as a, as a result of this?
1: Looking at what we're engaged in here is an economic war with our children on multiple fronts. We have uh, we're uh, destroying their 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 their, the planet uh, through uh, uh, emissions of carbon uh, through climate change. We're uh, in the U.S. We have uh, a country that's entirely bankrupt. It's it's fiscally broke beyond belief because something like 90% of the uh, liabilities of the debts uh, have been put off the books. So, Social Security's trustees report, just as an example, came out uh, about uh, two weeks ago, and they reported a forty-three trillion dollar unfunded liability. It's it's hidden in the back of the report in Table Six F One. None of the so-called trustees, including our brilliant Treasury Secretary, uh, who had to sign the trustees report. Uh, Actually, none of them mentioned that we have a $43 trillion fiscal uh, gap in that system, unfunded liability, in their summary, and make no no mention of it. And it uh, actually went up $10 trillion between last year and this year because of changes in interest rates that they're using to calculate it. So we ran a $10 trillion deficit in uh, Social Security between 2018 and 2019, and. Not a single member of the press, nobody in Congress. The only person who wrote about it was yours truly. who wrote a piece for The Hill, and uh, you know I don't know how many people read it. But if you come to go to Kotlikoff net, you can see a link to it, and maybe you can read it and spread it around. But the system we have, uh, we have a whole path of, of outlays as projected by the Congressional Budget Office, which in present value the value in the present exceed the the path of expense of receipts of tax taxes and other receipts to the tune of 239 trillion dollars right now the official that's 239 trillion the gdp of the country is about 21 trillion so we're talking about more than 10 years of uh, of uh, gdp about 11 years of gdp The official debts about 20 21 trillion so we've got 90% of our of our fiscal problem here is off the books. And this is net of, it's not just a gross liability, it's a net of the taxes to pay off these uh, outlay obligations, expenditure obligations, no matter what you call them, including servicing the official debt, we have to make come up with money. And at some point, it becomes game over for our kids because you can only take all their wages away from them to pay for Social Security benefits for the old people, for Medicare benefits, for Medicaid benefits, 70% of which go to old people, for um, for the tax cuts you're giving old people, for uh, um, the uh, Social Security benefits. You can only take 100% of the wages and we're heading in that direction. To, you know, this is Argentina, which declined, it took a century for Argentina to decline to the point of going from being a 5th highest per capita GDP country in the world, one of the richest, to one of the poorest, not one of the poorest, but uh, a developing country again. I mean, it was a developed country, and now it's turned itself into a developing country through reckless, uh, irresponsible fiscal policy, and that's exactly what we're running, and it's getting worse every year, and uh, Trump's cutting taxes, even though I like certain aspects of the Tax Reform Act, I think structurally it was better than nothing. They, you know, and uh, uh, in some ways, it's it's good for the economy. But uh, what we needed at the same time as making certain uh, structural fixes was to get the total tax take to be higher. Now we're running a trillion dollar deficit. For, that's I think what's projected for next year. Uh, But again, that's small, you know, if Social Security's deficit went up $9 trillion, not $9 between last year and this year, uh, then we're missing the forest for the trees.
0: Exactly. You know, you mentioned Argentina, and their neighbor Venezuela is experiencing hyperinflation and obviously currency issues there. Do you see anything like that on our horizon?
1: Yeah, the first thing that people in government will do is to put pressure on the Federal Reserve to print money because as it looks uh, more likely that the country the country starts running large and larger deficits the interest rates will go up the Federal Reserve will print money to try and lower them at some point people will be smart enough to realize that that's going to lead to inflation and interest rates will go up even higher and then the Fed may say well it's not my fault it's not our fault we're just trying to keep the interest rates low they'll print even more money and they'll, they'll just put some compliant head of the Federal Reserve uh, in in, off, in office and just like we had a pretty good inflation in the 70s that uh, Arthur Burns cooked up at the behest of Richard Nixon, we'll have some president like Trump who puts in some crony and he tried to put Steve Moore on the, the board. Uh, you cannot come up with a more unqualified person even though Steve is somebody I consider, uh, you know, he's an acquaintance and uh, I like talking to him and we've been friendly with each other for years uh and had some good conversations he's not he, he's nobody's lunch meat he knows some things but he's not uh sufficiently uh, mature i think <laughs> in that role so but but trump wanted to put him in and uh some future trump will put in some future crony uh to uh Start printing money because he doesn't want to go to the public and say we need to raise taxes or cut spending. You know, and just in the case of Social Security, we need four cents on the dollar higher taxes. That's a uh, basically a one-third increase in the FICA tax. Everybody on this call uh, is listening to this uh, uh, your radio show, not this call, but is listening to my call with you is uh, probably most people probably uh, working and. They can all look at their pay stub and see how much is coming out of FICA. Think about that for Social Security and Medicare uh, taxes. Think about uh, the Social Security part of that going up by a third. That's what the Social Security actuaries told us we needed to do. Uh, Two weeks ago they told us this in this uh, Table 6F1 to get rid of this, to pay off this uh, unfunded uh, $43 trillion fiscal gap in Social Security uh, if we don't raise taxes by a third, like uh, the taxes for Social Security by a third starting immediately, we're going to have to put a uh, raise it by a bigger percentage in 10 years or 20 years, an even bigger one. And that means that our kids are going to pay an even higher tax rate, and we, uh, uh, current older generations who are still working, uh, are going to get off the hook because 20 years from now, Yours truly, for example, won't be paying any FICA taxes. But my kids may end up paying, paying not a 12.3% Social Security FICA tax, but a 25% FICA tax. There are countries around the world, like Russia, has a 32% FICA tax, in effect. And I'll call it a FICA tax. But, uh, and then when the taxes get that high, people stop working. Uh, formally, they go into the underground economy or they leave the country. And then the tax base base shrinks, and everything just kind of uh, uh, boils down. You know, it just it uh, melts down uh, from there. So that's why you end up in a country like in a situation like Argentina. So the um, uh, but the the tendency of the government to uh, print money in these kinds of situations is uh, well proven, and it will happen here as well. And that means inflation will take off, and that means alternative investments like gold will will do better in those context. So I think everybody should be prudent about their investments and be diversified to hold uh, things that are hedges against uh, financial panics and uh, fiscal uh, you know, our fiscal um, indebtedness, our fiscal insolvency, that's what we're facing here. And we don't know exactly when Wall Street is going to wake up. And the public will really understand uh, the degree to which we are broke. I think I'm the only person in the country who's uh, tracking these numbers and talking publicly uh, to uh, uh, on the radio and in what I write to convey the degree of uh, to which our country is broke. We have some other economists who are writing that we should actually expand the debt, we should borrow even more. The deficit's not big enough. And, uh, you know, there's always... Good things to do with more money, right? There's lots of the country's got all kinds of problems. Educational uh, education systems needs help. Infrastructure. We have a lot of poor people. They certainly could use help. We got a lot of poor older people. They could use higher Social Security benefits. But we have basically uh, been engaged in a Ponzi scheme to pay to get where we are now. To get to dig this hole. So if we keep borrowing to give money to current people, we're going to leave an even bigger bill for future people. So we'll have even poorer, poor people in the future. So we have to think about this through time, not just as a, uh, what's going to get me elected this time around.
0: No, I think you make a great point. I mean, this has been a luxury we've had as the uh, holder, you might say, or printer, the global reserve currency. I mean, the world needs our dollars for the current you know dollar petrol arrangement but that's changing as i know you've you've noted in the past i mean there are alternatives now for some of our major trading partners as far as currencies go and in ways to procure oil and other strategic resources that doesn't require the reserve currency so we're over time as we heap as you say debt on top of debt essentially devalue our own currency we're sowing the seeds of our own economic destruction is that fair to say
1: yeah i mean people can move out of the dollar right now they can move into bitcoin if they wanted. uh they can uh, there's other currencies they can use to transact with in uh, in europe people a lot of people have dollar accounts as well as euro accounts uh, so if everybody decides that uh everybody else is uh moving into, uh, uh, let's say, Bitcoins and away from the dollars because they're worried that, that the, the Fed is going to be printing too much uh, money. Uh, that will lead to an even bigger money. Dollars becomes more of a hot potato, and faster money is like more money and leads to more inflation. So we, have, we are seeing signs of people preparing themselves to get out of dollars because they're worried about the future of the dollar. And the other key thing here um, is that the U.S. economy now is about 17% of the world economy. After World War II, we were about 50% of the world economy. Uh, where are we going to be at the end of the century? We're going to be about 5% of world output uh, because there's an enormous population boom going on as projected by the U.N. We're going to go from about 7.6 billion people to about 11.2 billion by the end of the century, over the next 80 years. That's uh, just an incredible number of extra people. And as they become more productive, as they catch up productivity-wise, as you see happening in China to the U.S., we're just going to become a smaller and smaller player in the world stage. So the dollar is not necessarily going to be the dominant currency uh, even 20 years from now, let alone... 80 years from now, when China, uh, well, you know, it could be that Sub-Saharan Africa is the biggest world economy because they have—they're going to have so many people, and if their productivity catches up, even not even fully, but let's say 50 percent uh, catches up relative to the U.S., they're going to be producing more, far more output than the U.S. So the the really big players in the future could be uh, the Middle East. Uh, uh, sub-Saharan Africa and India. It's hard to believe that, but if you look at the, dem- the interaction, of the demographics, and the potential for productivity catch-up, then uh, if China would be like the fourth largest economy. They're actually losing population. They're losing about a, uh, a U.S. worth of population in terms of uh, losing about 400 million people by the end of the century because of their, their historic one-China policy and uh, one-child one policy. Uh, the U.S. is actually expanding its population by uh, one Japan, we're increasing uh, uh, to an, by an extra 120 million people by the end of the century. This is why things are getting so congested here, and why I think a lot of people are uh, perhaps nervous about immigration uh, because of the uh, uh, there's, they're seeing a lot more congestion uh, uh, when, when they're driving around. That's one way to just see, you know, extra people. Uh, unless we really prepare for where people are going to live, and uh, uh, they all may move into the cities, and we may have every have gridlock in every city in the country. So uh, what I'm just saying is that there are big factors going on the U.S. is not going to be the big player on the block down the road. It's just, uh, the demographics are destiny to a large extent. And the demographics, uh, are saying that, uh, well, even though we're keeping up population-wise kind of proportionally, we're not, uh, we're not, we've, the other countries are going to catch up with us in ter- terms of uh, productivity, but they're also going to be, their populations, uh, we're talking about certain regions of the world are just going to be uh, uh, you know, just uh, exploding in size. And other regions like Europe, uh, they're going to basically maintain their population. Japan's going to decline by about 40, billion, 40 million people. Russia's population will drop by about 20 million. So, and China will drop by about 400 million. So the future is going to be a very different world, and the U.S. is not going to be dominating it.
0: So a lot to think about today, a lot of food for thought. I mean, look, we've got to try to encourage our officials to curtail, and that's putting it, I think, nicely, this enormous debt. I mean, according to your records, $239 trillion, uh, 11 times our annual um, output here as a nation, our GDP, just an enormous sum that can never be repaid with our current obligations or or we lose our benefits. So all the more reason to keep up with your idea, your Maxify and other resources to prepare for retirement, because it looks like our government will be in solvent. If we stay on this path, these are just a few of the key takeaways you've given us to uh, think about today. Thank you so much. My pleasure, anytime.
2: Shopping for fine jewelry just got easier. Goldseek.com has identified the most successful jewelry brand to launch in recent times. Many Jewelry is rewriting the way consumers buy fine jewelry. Integrity Craftsmanship, the only company to sell 24 karat gold and platinum jewelry, avoiding confusing alloys and gems, a true precious metals investment. Many Jewelry's disruptive business model embraces Franco American craftsmanship and direct to consumer economics, rapidly disrupting the $20 billion monopoly, just like Amazon and Uber. The sky is the limit with $1 billion of jewelry purchases daily for loved ones and those special occasions. Many Jewelry is an innovator position to capture market share, with annual sales growth in the industry topping $30 billion. By- by 2021, Many Jewelry coined the term investment jewelry, pricing by the gram, transparently disclosing its profit margins, a truer investment in pure gold or platinum. Similar to real estate, even artwork, Many Jewelry has a weighted value easily calculated, ensuring value wealth as a long term investment. But sales in 60 countries around the globe, 20,000 orders already, don't miss out on the explosive growth potential. Many Jewelry trades under the symbols M E N E on the Toronto Exchange and in the US, M E N E F. Remember to sign up to Many's shareholders club to receive shareholder news updates and special discount codes for jewelry purchases. Remember many jewelry. Goldseek employees may or may not own shares nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. The blockchain revolution is transforming the global arena, disrupting every industry in its path. Goldseek.com is excited to introduce an off-the-chain opportunity in digital gold and silver from our friends at Atmex and Sprott.com. One gold holds physical gold and silver metals at the Royal Canadian Mint, the first online marketplace to offer secure and convenient buying, selling, and redemption of digital precious metals. One gold uses vault Chain a secure immutable blockchain ledger developed by Tradewind Markets, the leading innovator in digital precious metals distributed ledger and blockchain technology. Vault chain. Gold and silver are 100 percent redeemable through One Gold. For physical precious metals delivered to customers' doors in any size at competitive prices and low transaction storage costs. As a special offer and for a limited time only, One Gold is offering gold and silver at spot price with no additional premiums. OneGold.com is secure and accessible 24-7 on any device, offering convenient purchases and sales of precious metals, easy recurring transactions, make passive saving and gold dollar cost averaging as as easy as a single mouse click. Vault Chain offers the best tier pricing on AppMex products, setting the industry standard as a fully backed physical asset with easy redemption in coins, rounds, or bars, offering clients peace of mind and full transparency. Don't get left behind. Remember to bookmark OneGold.com for the safest and most convenient digital precious metals today. Remember One Gold. GoldSeek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. It's
0: just a real pleasure to welcome Professor at Stanford University, Dr. Alexander Kosevichev, to the show from the Hansen Experimental Physics Laboratory at Stanford University. Welcome, Professor.
3: Oh, thank you very much for your interest.
0: Can you please tell our listeners? a bit more about the interesting process of how you sped up and encapsulated approximately a month of the sun's observations, really presented one of the cleanest pieces of audio we've come across.
3: It's uh, observations of uh, uh, oscillations of the surface of the sun. Uh, but these measurements were done from a um, spacecraft. It's NASA spacecraft that measures uh, displacement of the solar surface and these displacements are caused by acoustic waves traveling inside the sun uh, these waves are excited by um some kind of turbulent convection like uh, airplane engine excites sounds and sounds are trapped inside the sun and create some certain oscillation modes oscillation tones and uh, they cause a uh, vibration of the surface of the sun And uh, we observe this vibration like we can observe the vibration of a um, membrane of a loudspeaker. And this recording is done by the spacecraft. And uh, the period of this installation is about five minutes. So we cannot um, hear such low uh, frequency sounds. So I speed up by a factor of uh, 40,000. Uh, to make uh, audible these oscillations. So you can see, actually, you can see oscillations of the sun as a musical instrument. It's a sound uh, trapped inside the sun and create um, oscillation modes. Uh, actually, we measure these oscillations to learn about the interior of the sun. Uh, this um, um, subject is called helioseismology, uh, it's similar to the seismology. It's like geologists, they can uh, look inside the Earth by looking at um, earthquakes. They look at um, similar phenomena, sun quakes, and um, and learn about um, interior of the sun, how the solar energy is produced, how the sun rotates, how it produces magnetic activity. Uh, So this was um, the topic of these um, studies. And uh, the sound, it was just uh, for fun. It was a byproduct of um, of, of these um, observations.
0: I wonder if you might address the interesting process that led to making this much more audible and in the human hearing range. For instance, I understand you sped up this audio by approximately a factor of 42,000. Can you tell us more?
3: Uh, it was just it's done by a computer that using some standard software. It's um, actually software that I wrote, but just a computer processing of uh, the observational data. Also, that was um, some filtering. In fact, in some of the sounds, uh, we can oscillate some individual tones of the sun, or several of these tones. And in some of the examples that we have produced, you can actually listen how the acoustic waves are reflected from the center of the sun, from the solar core. You can see, hear some beating of these sounds uh, that corresponds to reflection of these modes from uh, the core of the sun, where the solar energy is produced.
0: Given that you've obviously spent considerable time uh, looking at our l- local solar mass, our sun, I'd really like your thoughts on the work around 1970, Nikolai Kardashev who investigated and postulated that we will find ancient intelligences or civilizations outside this region that have control of their local planet, then their solar mass, a Type 2, and then a Type 3 in control, you might say, of the energy output of the galactic center or of the entire galaxy itself. Um, Can you give us an idea on what we should be looking for, and how that may tie in with our star.
3: Actually, these observations of solar oscillations were initiated. Uh, there were some discussions about uh, how energy is produced inside the sun. The problem is that uh, uh, it was been established a long time ago. It was suggested that energy is produced by a nuclear fusion. It's a fusion of hydrogen into helium. Reactions of fusion, they produce solar neutrinos, and solar neutrinos were measured uh, in experiment, and uh, it turns out that the flux of solar neutrinos three times lower than was predicted by the theory uh, to explain the energy production inside the sun. So that uh, there was a discussion that maybe the structure of the sun is different, maybe some different energy sources inside the sun. And this um, field that was established called uh, helioseismology. It's actually established that the stars and inside the sun. And the structure, internal structure, responds exactly by the theory uh, that explains the energy of the sun. And later on, the new experiments were uh, designed to measure uh, the total flux of solar neutrinos. And it was, a, it was actually confirmation. It was a new discovery that led to the Nobel Prize Uh, that um, there are neutrino transitions on the way from the sun to earth. About uh, one third of solar electron neutrinos has survived. Uh, So this was um, a big discovery in physics. And uh, currently, this problem is uh, considered as... um, solved. there are some details and new neutrino experiments are being set up. And we continue measuring of um, the solar oscillations to learn more about... um, uh, the structure of the sun, about uh, the solar energy, discussion is um, in 70s. Now we have, we have an answer to this. Nothing strange, nothing nothing anti- intergalactic, it all happens inside the sun. It's a nuclear fusion, a uh, primary source of solar energy.
0: Some of your colleagues even have pointed out the modulation is very peculiar as you approach the center of our sun, and this really does not as you alluded to, suggest that fusion is necessarily the primary source, energy source, of our solar mass. If we move on here for a moment, do you think it's possible that Michio Kaku's estimate that our society could become a Type 1 civilization, a Kardashev-level Type 1, within the next 200 years or so? And then within a few hundred years past that point, we might actually devise a Dyson sphere-like structure that can extract the bulk of our solar mass and enter type 2 Kardashev status?
3: Uh, There are some puzzles about the solar interior, and in particular, currently we are looking at um, uh, how the interior of the sun rotates uh, because it tells us about the formation of the sun, of our solar system, and solar evolution. Uh, But uh, I think the evolution of uh, the Sun and um, other stars is now mostly understood and um, uh, that what uh, as you know that now that uh, around other stars uh, uh, extra terrestrial planets are discovered people um, astronomers looking now for properties of these uh, stars looking for regions of uh, habitability around these stars I think now that it's quite well understood the evolution of our
0: sun. What would you rate the odds of a type 1 Kardashev civilization either within the Milky Way galaxy, our local galaxy, or within any of the hundreds of billions of galaxies outside here?
3: But currently it was uh, recently again uh, uh, I'm a physicist, I look at the data recently uh, NASA uh, now it has a second spacecraft to look for extraterrestrial planets. Thousands of them were discovered it, and many of them are in a um, habitable zone. So I believe it's quite possible that uh, there are other civilizations outside, um, outside the Earth. This is a very hot topic of uh, studies currently.
0: I'd like just to present a hypothesis, just a working hypothesis with you, We've been working with some folks in the Berkeley area and I have a hypothesis that I'm about to publish that the sun is actually controlled by a type 2 civilization, our sun currently. It actually is a hyperspherical Dyson sphere. Can I ask you if you think there might be any scientific evidence to corroborate that thesis?
3: I currently introductory astronomy, and one of my students prepared a presentation. He found in literature uh, some hypotheses that how uh, the whole world is a uh, computer simulation. So it's kind of, it was uh, discussed by philosophers mostly. So it's kind of philosophical discussions, and uh, I don't think there is any, any observational evidence for uh, so the type 1, type 2, so that uh, what I cannot speculate about this.
0: Can you tell people more about your website and what they'll find? If you could just tell people a bit more about the great material that you've put up there.
3: Actually, it's not just a one-month recording. I later created a whole year's recording. It was used by several musicians. It explained some music. And I created a longer, this one-year recording. It was a um, request from, from doctors, from a veteran's hospital. In veteran hospital, uh, the solo sounds recordings. Uh, so it was uh, it was widely used and several musicians. Uh, uh, so you can look at a lot of recordings in uh, in on the web, and I have my, my own website where the original original sounds are placed and uh, there are several several of them. So there is a recording of um, uh, the sounds uh, from the whole sun and also individual individual uh, modes, individual tones of the sun it's just different formats the sounds are created
0: cannot thank you enough
3: oh thank you very much for your interest it was an um, interesting discussion and I uh, look forward to looking at you thank you
2: Shopping for fine jewelry just got easier. Goldseek.com has identified the most successful jewelry brand to launch in recent times. Many jewelry is rewriting the way consumers buy fine jewelry. Integrity Craftsmanship, the only company to sell 24-karat gold and platinum jewelry, avoiding confusing alloys and gems, a true precious metals investment. Many Jewelry's disruptive business model embraces Franco-American craftsmanship and direct-to-consumer economics, rapidly disrupting the $20 billion monopoly, just like Amazon and Uber. The sky is the limit with $1 billion of jewelry purchases daily for loved ones and those special occasions. Many Jewelry is an innovator position to capture market share, with annual sales growth in the industry topping $30 billion by 2021, many jewelry coined the term investment jewelry, pricing by the gram, transparently disclosing its profit margins, a truer investment in pure gold or platinum. Similar to real estate, even artwork, many jewelry has a weighted value easily calculated ensuring value wealth as a long-term investment. But sales in 60 countries around the globe, 20,000 orders already, don't miss out on the explosive growth potential. Many jewelry trades under the symbols MENE on the Toronto exchange and in the US MENEF. Remember to sign up to many's shareholders club to receive shareholder news updates and special discount codes for jewelry purchases. Remember many jewelry. Goldseek employees may or may not own shares nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. The blockchain revolution is transforming the global arena, disrupting every industry in its path. Goldseek.com is excited to introduce an off-the-chain opportunity in digital gold and silver from our friends at Atmex and Sprott.com. One gold holds physical gold and silver metals at the Royal Canadian Mint, the first online marketplace to offer secure and convenient buying, selling, and redemption of digital precious metals. One gold uses Vault Chain, a secure, immutable blockchain ledger developed by Tradewind markets, the leading innovator in digital precious metals distributed ledger and blockchain technology. Vault Chain. Gold and silver are 100% redeemable through OneGold for physical precious metals delivered to customers doors in any size at competitive prices and low transaction storage costs. As a special offering for a limited time only, OneGold is offering gold and silver at spot price with no additional premiums. OneGold.com is secure and accessible 24-7 on any device, offering convenient purchases and sales of precious metals. Easy recurring transactions make passive saving and gold dollar cost averaging as easy as a single mouse click. Vault Chain offers the best tier pricing on AppMex products, setting the industry standard as a fully backed physical asset with easy redemption in coins, rounds, or bars, offering clients peace of mind and full transparency. Don't get left behind. Remember to bookmark OneGold.com for the safest and most convenient digital precious metals today. Remember, One Gold. GoldSeek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment
4: advice. This is Robert Ian with GoldSeek.com Radio. It's standard operating practice to release controversial news items heading into a holiday or long weekend in the hopes that much of the general public will miss a particular news item altogether, or at least its importance, as they plan weekend trips, barbecues, tailgate parties, or otherwise spend time with their family. Significant back-and-forth political harmonics have been resonating between President Trump and Speaker Pelosi since Wednesday, when she held a meeting with her caucus to discuss impeaching the president, and then went to an Oval Office meeting with the president minutes later, as if nothing had happened, to discuss infrastructure. Trump's position to either investigate or legislate cut the meeting short. And ever since then, a rapidly evolving news cycle has been taking place. Thursday evening, the President's press secretary announced that today, at the request and recommendation of the Attorney General of the United States, President Donald J. Trump directed the intelligence community to quickly and fully cooperate with the Attorney General's investigation into surveillance activities. Much of the media, including media favorable to the President, have been saying that Trump ordered the declassification and release of the information, omitting the fact that he was responding to a request by the Attorney General, who has active investigations into multiple aspects of how surveillance of the President actually began. A cascade of events have unfolded around the globe in record time, since the declassification announcement on Thursday evening. Theresa May, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, resigned Friday morning. Many attribute this to the Brexit situation. However, Representative Devin Nunes publicly requested that the President ask the Prime Minister during his upcoming visit what role the United Kingdom played in the events leading up to the 2016 U.S. presidential election and in the two-and-a-half years since that election. During a Friday morning press conference, the president, for the second time in two days, referred to surveillance and cover-up activities during his campaign and then of a sitting president as treason. This topic will disturb many people. It may even impact or trigger changes in the global economy, which is built in large part on confidence. If that tree bears fruit, it will have to be dealt with decisively. Temporarily putting the subject of infrastructure on hold may not be such a bad idea. Physical and digital infrastructure expansion currently underway will continue on a local and state-by-state basis, regardless of whether an official infrastructure plan is agreed to by Congress now or after the next election. However, focusing on the repair of a different kind of infrastructure may be what's going to happen next. The infrastructure that enables one hand of an organization to do something surreptitiously that the other hand legitimately may not be aware of. Accountability is a form of disinfectant that many may soon become acquainted with. And until next time, this is Robert Ian with ConquerChange.com Thanks, Chris.
0: Okay, Robert, thanks for another excellent installment. Well, that wraps up this week's GoldSeek.com radio episode. For two new big guests, be sure to check out next week's show. Until we talk to you again, have a great week.
2: GoldSeek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice.